All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Come on. How about them Tigers? Come on, go Tigers. <laughs> hey, can we go ahead and just stop and pray for the Saints today? Let's just go ahead. <laughs> so glad that you're here. Welcome to the 9 a.m. service. You feeling good, 9 a.m.? You good? We, oh, we got to try that again. You feeling good today? Come on. Glad that you're here. Welcome to our Savior's Church, and uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Josh. Really excited about all that God is doing in and through our church. We're in a series right now called Legacy, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to put a bow on it. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up today. Uh, last weekend was our, was our Legacy offering, and I want to thank you so much for those who continue to give to that and, and were a part of that. And if you, if you weren't a part of that, um, you still have opportunity to be a part of that, and uh, we'd love for you to, to continue to give and, uh, and be a part of that. We're seeing God do some incredible things through Legacy over the past couple of years. God's done so much of advancing God's kingdom. Um, but we are in this series called Legacy, and uh, if you got some notes, um, you should have got some notes when you walked in. Wave them at me if you got them. If you got some notes, wave them at me. Okay, all right. We are a note-taking church. I uh, just encourage you to do that. Um, it is your ticket to heaven. And so, when, no, I'm joking. It's, it's not by any means. But I do want us to uh, dive in today. You're going to see some of these on the screen. Um, and you're, you're more than welcome to participate and, and uh, fill in some blanks with us as we go along. It's a great way to keep you engaged. I, I believe that church uh, should be a place you enjoy, not a place you endure. Can I get an amen from somebody? <clears throat> place that you laugh, place that you have fun, um, a place that the presence of God is tangible. And, uh, and so our, our goal is that today, that, that we would come in, hear God's word, allow God's word to do uh, a work in our hearts and hopefully walk out this place um, with a different perspective, with a different attitude, full of faith, full of excitement for what God wants to do during the week. And uh, hey, let me just say this in advance. Happy Thanksgiving. Come on. How many know we got a lot to be thankful for? Um, so happy Thanksgiving. So glad that you're here and joined us on this Thanksgiving day. Let me give you a working definition of legacy that we've been using for the last three weeks. We'll do it one more time um, so you can join with us. And this is what it is. Legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. Legacy is the future without you, Everybody say this with me. Future without you. Come on, let's say it again. Future, but still, still influenced by you. Still influenced by you. So what we've been talking about is that one day you're going to die. Welcome to our Savior's Church. Good news here, okay? <clears throat> one day you're going to die. We don't know when that is. None, none of us uh, have a determining factor on that, um, when that's going to be, but one day it's going to happen. When that happens, uh, you're going to be remembered for something. Um, we all, we said this in week one, everyone leaves a legacy, everybody. Um, whether it's a good one or a bad one is your choice. And so we all want legacies that our children and our grandchildren are proud of. And uh, I don't know about you, that's my desire. We want ones that, that honor God and ones that are blessings to our families. And so we've been talking about that. If we want to leave a great legacy, then we've got to live a great legacy, and so that's what this series is all about. How do we do that? How do we make a difference as individuals, as families, and, and as a church? How do we do that together? So I want to start today in a very, very familiar uh, book. You probably read it this week, I'm sure. Habakkuk. Um, probably nobody read Habakkuk this week. Um, but I want us to go there. Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 2 and 3. And, and we're going to read this together, talking about vision. And then, uh, and then I'm going I'm to share with you something that I believe is going to be a tag to this. So this is what it says. Everybody help me with this. If you, if you see it on the screen, uh, I want you to read along. It says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run, who what? Who reads it? Who reads it? So he who may run, who reads it? Let me just stop right here and just say how, how important I think it is to write things down that God speaks to you. Uh, when God begins to speak things to you, I encourage you to write things down. Um, one of the things that my wife and I do every year, coming into November and December, is we start kind of vision casting for the next year. So we'll start writing down words that we feel God's giving us. We'll start writing down goals of things that we want. So I was, uh, I was in, in another state with Pastor Bubba this past week, and my wife texts me, and I, you know, I opened up my phone, and and it's a, it's a picture, and in it, well, it was a picture of her planner that she has. My wife has a planner. She does all of her calendaring in it, and it was a picture of her planner, and inside of it, 
um, was about 17 written things. And so it was everything from like, you know, take a trip with Josh, um, uh, defeat a certain kind of fear. Uh, I mean, it was all these different things, things that she wanted with our boys, things she wanted in her marriage. And when it started going through this, at the bottom of it, she said, I did all of these this year. It was, it was like 18 things that she had wanted to see happen in 2019. And uh, I said, come on, babe, let's do this. And so we're, we're going to start this Thanksgiving week. We're going to start writing down things we want to see for 2020. So whether it's financial things or spiritual things or things in your family, come on, how many believe in for lost family members to come home to Jesus? I mean, just, hey, just start writing their names down. And when you see them, just go, I got your name written down. <laughs> so it's coming. Uh, and so this is what this verse is telling us. Write the vision, write what, what God's speaking to you, write it down so you can run with it. Watch what verse three says, for still the vision awaits its what? It's appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Now watch this. If it seems what? If it seems, how, how many of you got some prayer requests right now that are on delay? Like they got, like seems, like, seems like they're on AOL speed right now. It's like, like, come on, God, okay, we're in, like, 5G now. Let's go, all right? So it, it says that if it seems like it's a delay, which, by the way, it will seem like it's a delay, he says this. Watch, here's, here's the encouragement. It says what? Wait for it. Wait for it. Now, let's just all be honest. How many of you in here have a hard time waiting? You have a hard time waiting. You have waiting for things. How many, how many slow things kind of bother you? Like, you want to, like, let's, like, we're in a, let's go. Like, I'll tell you, for me, slow drivers, okay, right here. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to go, listen, this is church. I know it's a movie theater, but it's our church right now. I'm going to make a public confession. I despise slow drivers. I, I was raised in Texas, okay? I was bred on the highways in the interstates of Texas. If you don't move over in Texas, they'll just shoot you. Like, <laughs> that's no lie. Actually, they will. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm kind of that. I'm a, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm a bit of a fast driver. I was, uh, so Pastor Bubba and I were in, were in South Dakota this past two, two weeks ago, or last week. And uh, so we're passing through, we're coming from North Dakota to South Dakota, and I'm driving. We got a rental car. And, and so we're like going through, like, if you've ever been to South Dakota or North Dakota, like, I don't know if anybody lives there, because we passed for like an hour and a half. I didn't see a car, one car. Never saw a car. Passed through all these little small towns. So we pull up into kind of this small town. Pastor Bubba leans over and he says, he says, PJ, that's what he calls me. He says, PJ, um, you, don't, you probably don't want to slow down. These, these small towns, they're like, they got speed traps in these places. And so not 20 seconds later, whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, y'all ever have those lights behind you and your heart like sinks? You're like, ah, so sure. And, and then I'm thinking, maybe it's not me. And then I'm like, I'm the only one here. It's got to be me. So I, I pull off to the side and, you know, the guy shines his light. You know, they shine it like right where you can't see anything. They blind you and, he, you know, he comes up and he's got like this like South Dakota trooper hat on. He's got like a trooper mustache and everything. And like he walks up to me and he's like super friendly. Hey, how you guys doing? I can't even do a South Dakota accent. And so he's, how are y'all? I'm, you know, I was like, I, I've, I've been better. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, hey, I caught you, you know, speeding. And uh, he's like, did you know what the speed limit? I was like, sir, I didn't, I don't know. Last time I saw it was 60. And he's like, well, it's 25. <laughs> don't judge me, okay? <laughs> don't judge me. So he's, he, and then he goes this. He says, you know what? He said, let me see your license registration. So I, you know, I gave him the, the rental car insurance and my license. He's like, oh, you guys aren't from here. I said, no, sir, we're not. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, that, it, it, gets a lot of tr- it gets real tricky because goes, it goes 60, and then 100 feet later it goes 40, and then 100 feet later it goes 25. And I was like, that's a trap. And uh, he was like, I'll, I'll be back. And so he takes off to the car. So what people don't know is we kind of have this running joke. Uh, Pastor Bubba and I have this running joke because every time Pastor Bubba gets pulled over, he never gets a ticket, like ever. Like I'm talking about like ever. Like he'll have his Bible just right out in the front just so he can like, they'll be like, well, I don't, I don't give tickets to pastors. Like, they don't say that to me. <laughs> they give me the ticket and go, slow down. And so I, I looked at him. I was like, you better start praying. Okay, you need to start praying because whatever's on you, I need that on me right now. And so, you know, about five, ten minutes later, the, the officer comes up and, you know, he's, he's got a paper in his hand. I'm like, ah, here we go. All right, I'm a fugitive in South Dakota now. 
And uh, he goes, hey, I just want to tell y'all, this is a written warning. Have a nice day. Watch out for the deer. <laughs> and, I, and I rolled up the window, and Pastor Bob was like, I was praying for you, man of God. I was praying for you. This is what happens. So needless to say, I slowed down after that. But I have a hard time waiting. I don't know if you have a hard time waiting. I have a hard time waiting. Um, I'm always in a hurry for things. And one of the things that I've realized in the kingdom of God is that God's timing is perfect, but God's timing is not my timing. I need to say that again. God's timing is perfect, but oftentimes his timing is not my timing. And I get upset when his timing is not synced up with mine. But this verse is telling us that God's going to give you a vision. You better write it down. But just be ready. You're going to need to wait for it probably. You're going to have to wait for it. David was crowned, uh, was anointed king. You know how long it took him before he actually wore a crown? 14 years. Joseph was given a dream that he's going to be second in charge. You know how long it took him? 14 years. Jesus came down from heaven. You know how long it took him before he actually even started in ministry? 30. So I just want to I tell you, if you want to be mightily used by God, just be ready to wait. Because we live in a microwave, fast, instantaneous, let's go, prime, Amazon, let's get it. And if it's not that, how many know we, we either quit, we back out, we say, ah, I guess it wasn't God. No, no, it could be God, but you're not ready yet. Or it's not ready yet. Or how many know when we're praying, we're praying one thing, God's doing 10,000 things. And so this, this verse is telling us that, hey, it's, it's, it, you got to wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And so I just need you to, to hear me on this, and, and especially as we're in legacy, and we, you know, we've been talking about specifically for Crowley, you know, one day we're going we're gonna to get a building, Those, these things are going to happen, and it's like, man, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Trust me, I'm, I'm asking the same thing, but then I'm reminded of this, that great things that God has for us, oftentimes you got to wait for, because God's doing something. He's doing things you don't even realize. He's doing things with us. He's doing things in us. He's setting things up for the right places. My wife and I um, lived in a 1,000-square-foot home with three boys and a 90-pound dog for years. And uh, I remember Lindsay going, like, we've got to move out of this house. Like, it's too small. I mean, like, we were on top of one another. And in five years, we tried selling our house. We showed our house over 40 times. We had four failed contracts. Talk about disappointed. And, uh, and now we, we live in a house that we absolutely love, a house of our dreams. But I realized that over those five years, God was saving us for what he wanted great for us. But we got frustrated with God all during the process because we go, God, what's going on? God, what's going on? And now that we're in what God, I know God had for us, I look back and go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I'm telling you right now, there are things in your life right now that you're praying for. And God is going, no, you don't want that yet because I got something greater for you. You got something greater for you. And so I, I titled this message, I See a Church. I See a Church. And, and let me say this. When I say I see a church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about people. Because how many know Jesus didn't dr uh, die for drywall? He died for dry bones. He, he, dry, he died for, for people. How many know we are the church? Come on, everybody say that. Say, we are the church. We are the church. Look at that person next to you. Tell them, we are the church. Now look at that other crazy person you didn't want to look at and tell them you're part of this too. I mean, we're all, we're in this together. This is, this is us, all right? And, and, and when, I, when I titled this I See a Church, my, my passion was to be able to articulate to you what I feel like God is giving us as a church and, 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 and as a people. And uh, we are one church in three different locations. And so in, in Jennings and in Crowley and in Eunice, and, and, and so we're one big church and God's got a lot of things. And my heart is that we would never just go to church, but that we would be the church, that we would be the church. Because how, how clever is it for, for the enemy to think that just because you go to church, you are the church, but you're not. We, we want to we we be a church. And so, so we've been talking about vision these past couple of weeks and what, the, what is God's vision for our lives? What is God's vision for our church? I want to talk about something, though, today that I think fuels that. So um, I want you to write this down. Vision is the steering wheel. Faith is the engine. Vision is the steering wheel. Faith is the engine. You don't get the vision if you don't have faith. So today, more than anything, I hope that I can build some faith in this house 
for us to believe for the vision that God has for us. And I want us to go to one of the greatest faith chapters in all of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're going we're gonna to park here today and spend the rest of our time today in Hebrews chapter 11. And this is what it says. Now, everybody help me with this. Now, hey, the more you preach, the faster I go, okay? So now, faith brings our hopes into reality. I love that. This is the Passion Translation, different, different translation. You probably have heard it in different ways. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I just love reading it in different translations, get a different perspective. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. And watch this. And it becomes the what? The foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith, watch this, is what Previous generations were commended for. Hey, you know what that is? Legacy. That's legacy. That previous generations were commended for what we're about to start talking about. And so he's telling us that faith is not found in what you're believing for. Faith is found in who you're believing in. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not found for what you're believing for. I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for a healing. Those are all good things to believe for, but faith is found in who you are believing in. How many know Jesus is the bedrock of our faith? It is the foundation of our Christianity. If you don't have faith, you don't have Christianity. Think about this for a minute. We serve a God we've never seen. How many know what that takes? Faith. Faith. You pray prayers, believing for answers to a God that you have not met. Now, have you experienced him? Have you felt him? Probably, but you've never seen him, and yet that requires faith, and this tells us that faith brings our hopes into reality. I'll, I'll get more into that in just a little bit. Now, let's, let's skip down to verse 4. Now, watch this. Verse 4 says it this way. By a what? An act of faith. Okay, underline that or highlight that, circle that, and we're, we're going to come back to that at the end of this message. But by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he, watch this, it was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. This is what God noticed and approved as righteousness, that Abel brought a better sacrifice. And it wasn't better because of what he brought. It was better because of what he believed. And this is huge here because as you, know, you give and as you serve and as you do, oftentimes we can say, well, I just really don't have that much for God. I, don't, I really don't have that much to give. Or I really don't have that. God goes, it's not about what you bring. It's about how you're bringing it and what you're believing in as you're bringing it. Cain gave his best or Abel gave his best. Cain gave what was left over. This is different, two totally different things. And it says, because of his faith, God noticed. God noticed. Now watch this. After all these centuries, that belief, what does it continue to do? Continues to catch our notice. Now watch what verse five says. By a what? Here we go. By an act of faith. Here it is again. Ready? Enoch Skip death completely. How awesome would that be? All right. It says they looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. Like, if y'all know the story, Enoch, there's only really two, two people in scripture that skip death, Enoch and Elijah. And God, you know, beam me up, Scotty, like, whoop, like they left, straight up left out of this place. And, and watch what it says, why that happened. It says in the next verse, we know of the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he what? He pleased God. He pleased God. Now, let me just stop and just say this. If there is anybody in the world that you want to please, it's God. I think a lot of people, though, are trying to please people more than God. We're trying to please our spouse. We're trying to please our in-laws. We're trying to please our kids. We're trying to please our boss. We're trying to please our friends. We're trying to please everybody else, but we're not having the sole mission. Man, I just want to please God. And by the way, oftentimes when you want to please God, you will not please people. 
which means even for my responsibility and Pastor Bubba and Pastor JJ and anybody else that comes up here and preaches, how many know our main goal is that when this service is over and we go home, that there is one person that goes, good job, and it's none of y'all. How many know that's Jesus and Jesus alone? If Jesus goes, good job, how many know then that's what matters? That's what matters. That's what matters. And the same for you and for your life. Enoch was a man who pleased God. Now watch this. Here we go. Verse 6 says this. It's what? Impossible to please God. Here we go. Apart from? From faith. It's impossible to please God. How do I please God? Well, it comes to faith. All right. So let's look at verse 7 now. It says this. It was by faith. Now we're going to a, another story. These are just stories after stories of stories of what these men and women of faith did. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Here's my favorite part. Ready? Watch this. He what? Okay, he obeyed God. So that's huge there. You might want to underline that. That's huge, okay? He obeyed God. Now watch this. <laughs> I love this. Who warned him about things that had never what? That had never happened before. So God tells Noah, hey, I want you to, I want you to build a boat. And Noah goes, what's a boat? <laughs> it's going to rain. Okay, God, what's rain? <laughs> it's going to flood the earth. Okay, God, what's, what, what do you mean by that? And God had to explain to him what was actually going to happen. And then he's going, okay. Oh, and then by the way, here's how big it needs to be going to be three football fields long. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm in. Never built a pontoon, but let's go for an ark. Let's go for it. And then God goes, oh, and by the way, all the animals are coming on this thing with you. I'd be like, I'm out. Uh, I don't know if I'm down with that one. He says, don't worry. I'm going to bring them all on. Now, here's, here's what I like to do. Every time I'm reading scripture, I like to kind of put myself into the story. I think that's what we should do to just kind of get the emotion of the moment. I want you to imagine for a moment, he goes, okay, this seems really crazy. I'm gonna step out and do it. I feel like this is the Lord. And he starts building, you know, he goes to Steins. <laughs> hey, I need some wood. How much? A lot. For what? A boat? <laughs> and can you imagine he starts building this thing, okay? Listen, I, you know, I've lived in Jennings, and I've been around Crowley and Eunice and our areas. Okay, you start building something that's, how many know, people are talking. Come on, y'all, like, this is a small town. People, people know what's all up in your business. And so, of course, they're coming, hey, Noah, what's going on? And can you imagine he's having to have these conversations with all these people about what he's doing? Do you think anybody thought he was crazy? <laughs> Probably everybody. Do you think he got criticized for it? Absolutely. Do you think he was the talk of the town? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, he was like Enoch. He wanted to please God. And he was doing something that he had never done before. And how many know that when you follow God, oftentimes God's going to ask you to do something crazy? I, no, no, no. Let me rewind that. When you follow God, God will ask you to do things that are crazy. And it will not make sense to other people. I've had, I, I've had a lot of conversations with guys that come up to me and go, man, these guys in my work, they just, have, they, they just don't understand why I give 10% of all of my money to this church. It blows their mind why I do that. There's so many other things I could be buying right now. It's just, it's just craziness to them. I said, yeah, it's craziness to them, but you honor God, you please God, and you obey God, and because of that, you're blessed actually more than they are. And that's going to get real crazy when they start realizing and start seeing these things that God often will call us to do things that are crazy. Hey, why don't you go talk to that person? Ah, I'm, not, I'm not a people person, God. God will have us step out of this, outside, outside of the things. And then look what verse 8 says this. He transitions into this last story. He said, it was by faith that Abraham, what did he do? He obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Here we go, ready? He went without knowing where he was going. <laughs> I don't know, any planners in here? Any people like a plan? Okay, me, all right, me and Kathleen, all right. Um, I like a plan. 
um, if I'm going to go somewhere, one, I like to know where. Um, two, I like to know how to get there. Um, these are things that I really like to do. Um, if, if I'm, uh, me and Siri have a really great relationship right now, okay? Because when I'm in any places I don't know, hey, Siri, how do I get there? And she lovingly directs me where I need to go. It's awesome. It's amazing. Um, but I've learned this about faith, is that where understanding ends, faith begins. I'm going to say that again. Where understanding ends, faith begins. When you don't know the answer and you don't have all the ways to figure it out, that's when your faith starts. Think about this. God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of nations. You know how old he is? On top of that, he says, all right, I'm going to use you and I have a certain place that I want you to go. Are you ready? God, I'm ready. Where are we going? I'm not telling you. Say what? I'm not telling you. But here's what Abraham knew, and this is what you and I need to know. You don't, have to know. you don't have to know where you're going as long as you know who you're following knows where. As long as I understand who's taking me there, come on, how many know that's faith? I can trust that. So when God says, hey, do this, I can trust it. So this is what he tells Abraham. He says, okay, I just want you to start going. I just want you, and, and how many of you know, I, I think the reason why God didn't tell him all the stuff that was going to happen, he told him where eventually that he wanted him to go to a place and it was going to be a blessed place and all that, but he didn't tell him how he's going to get there. He didn't tell him how long it was going to be. He didn't tell him anybody got kids that are going, how long is it going to take? Okay, I think one of the reasons why God didn't tell him that is because if God would have told him all the stuff he was going to have to go through to get there, he'd be like, bye, Felicia, I'm out. I'm gone. I think... Oftentimes, God won't give you the details because if he gave you the details, you wouldn't obey. If he, if he told Joseph, you're going to be second in charge, Joseph. Hey, by the way, um, <clears throat> read the fine print. Okay, you're going to get thrown into a pit by your brothers, and then you're going to go, and you're going to go with Pharaoh, and you're going to serve as a slave for Pharaoh's house. And then Pharaoh's wife, she's a cougar. She's going to want your body, and so you're going to say, no, no, no. And then she's going to throw it. Then he's going to throw you in prison. Then you're going to be in prison and then you're going to get rejected in prison. And then how many know if he got all the fine details, he'd be like, nope, nope, I'm good. I'm good with the second in charge. Give it to somebody else. But how many know God just goes, hey, just take the next step. He'll give you dreams. He'll give you visions. But then he goes, just take the next step. Just take the next one. Just take the next one. We want the full-on plan, but God goes, you're not even ready for the full-on plan. I'll give you one page of this, of this book story that I'm going to give you. I'll give you this one page. You can follow that one page. Hey, when you do that one page, I'll give you page two, and then I'll give you page three, and then I'll give you page four, because if I gave you the whole novel, you'd quit. You'd quit. Some of you in here, you know exactly what that is. If you look back over your life and you would have known all the heartache and the pain and the hurt that you went through in life to get where you are right now, how many of you know you would have said, God, I'm out. God, I'm out. But God goes, my grace is sufficient for you when you need it. I'm not going to give it to you in advance. I'm going to give it to you right when you need it. But you've got to be willing to take the faith to step out and obey. Listen to me. Faith will make you uncomfortable. Let me take it another step further. If you're living a comfortable life right now, you're probably not living in faith. God is always calling us to step outside of our comfort zones. You can't be safe and in faith. And I see a church that is comfortable being uncomfortable. We got to be a church that is so comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because we serve a God who will always get us outside of our comfort zones. He's always going to call us to do things that are beyond us. He's going to call us to do things that are going to require him. And how many know if you've got it all figured out, you don't need faith? Can I get an amen from somebody in the audience today? I think I'm probably just landing a little bit. I'm hitting a little home here. That you realize that when, when you don't, how, don't, how are we going to pay all these bills? How are we going to do all this? God's got this. My word says that God's a provider. How, do, how, how am I going to get a job? And how are we, where are we going to move? And how's this? My God says that he's got all this. He can work all this out. And when I'm uncomfortable and when I'm in a place where I don't know everything, I know that that's where faith is starting. And I love what verse 9 says. 
I, I don't think I have it in your notes, but verse 9 of this says, okay, so he went without knowing where he was going. Verse 9 says, and even when Abraham reached the land that God promised him, watch this, he lived there by faith. So this is what I wrote down. When I read that verse, immediately God said this, it takes faith to go somewhere, but it also takes faith to stay somewhere. Can I say that again? It takes faith to take a step and go start something, but it takes faith to have perseverance and stick it out and stick it out and go, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going in. We're going to see this all the way through. And Abraham had faith to get there, but when he got there, he also had faith to stay there. Because how many know there are times when you get to where you know God's called you and then it gets hard and it gets difficult and you want to go, I want to go to the next place. And God goes, nope, stay, stay. Your marriage, I'm ready, I'm done, I want out. And God goes, stay, stick it out. You're in a job that's a situation, you know God's called you to that job, but it's just uncomfortable right now and it's not going like the way that you want. You're like, I'm just ready to go to a new place. And God goes, stay, stay. It takes faith to go, but it also takes faith to stay. Now, I'm not encouraging if there's abuse or if there's things that are wrong or if God says to move, then you better go and do it. But you just better make sure that you have a word from God. You better make sure that you hear from God because this is what faith does. So today, to end this message, I want to I share with you three thoughts on faith and what I believe faith is. Looking at Hebrews chapter 11, faith is three Things. Let me give you the first one. Faith is believing before seeing. Faith is believing before seeing. You've got to believe it oftentimes before you will ever see it. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. This guy's name is Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was a, a, a man from England. He was an avid, avid runner. He was competing uh, to go into the Olympics for, for the England Olympic running team, didn't make it, and so he wanted, to, he, want, he wanted to do something that made a difference. One of the things in this day and age was there was a, a, um, a record that had never been broken. No one had ever ran a mile under four minutes, ever, ever. So he set out on this journey of proving that the one mile could be ran under four minutes. Every expert said it was absolutely impossible to do, that, that if you were going to do it, it would have to be the right day, the right temperature, the right track. Your body would have to be in the most pristine shape you've ever been in. You would have to have tons of people there cheering you on because your endorphins and adrenaline would be running. And, and maybe if all of those scenarios are happening, maybe, just maybe, it might could possibly happen. And on May 6, 1954, he showed up in London, England on a cold, windy day with a terrible track to a very small crowd, and he ran a mile in three minutes, 59 seconds. <laughs> hey, one second. He got it. He got it. He got it under. Now watch this. Here's the cool part of this whole story. 46 days later, somebody broke his record. Now watch this. One year later, 17 people broke their records. What had never, ever happened got broke on May 6th. 46 days got broke again. And then a year later, 17 people broke that again. And then watch this. Since 1954, over 500 Americans have broke it since then. The reason I say all that is because I was wondering, could there be people that are just waiting for you to break a barrier and once you break it, then they can have the faith to break it in their own life? Could it be that there are things that in our, in our life, barriers that are in our life, that once we break them, it gives faith to those around us. It's like contagious. People around us go, if that could happen in their life, that can happen in my life. Come on, how many know as Christians, we are barrier breakers. That's what we do. As a church, we are barrier breakers. We break pride and we break prejudice and we break racism and we break poverty. These are the things that we break in our lives. And I'm just wondering if we got a church here that knows we can break some barriers and if we can break barriers in our life. Come on, how many know we can break barriers in this city and that there's people that are waiting to see us and they go, if he can be delivered from drugs, I can be delivered from drugs. If he could stay and have a healthy marriage and I know how jacked up he is, then how many know he can do the same for me as well? You've got to believe it though before you ever see it. 
You've got to believe it before you ever see it. I see a church where we believe things about people that we don't even see it. That's why we go around and often say, hey, what's up, man of God? Some of you are like, he's not a man of God. <laughs> Listen, we know. We know. But you know what we're doing? We're believing something that really is, even though we don't see it yet. I call my boys that all the time. That's why some of them, oh, man, I got all my little hellions running around. Yeah, guess what? You've just spoke all that into existence. We've got to believe it before we see it. I think we've got to speak it before we even see it. This is where we're at. Let me give you number two. Faith is not only believing before seeing. Faith is seeing before seeing. It's seeing before seeing. Um, so... We, my family, are really big Disney fans. I don't know if I, any Disney fans in the house just like Disney stuff. All you know, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney movies, Marvel, Avengers, all that stuff. So when Disney Plus came out, my wife was like, "Oh, I'm all over that." She, she texted me and was like, "Hey, I just want to let you know we're Disney Plus people." Okay, all right, good, good to know. All right. And so, anyways, I so I came home from my trip, and you know, all my kids are watching like all the old school Disney things. You know, now they got all the. Everything, you know, all the old school movies are now, you know, together. You can watch them all. And so, so I was scrolling through um, Disney Plus, and I, I'm very, I love um, documentaries. I love stories of, like, behind the scenes of what, what brought people to certain places and how they build things. Like, after movies are done, when we rent movies, I like to go and watch the behind the scenes stuff on how they made the movie. Like, that's my uh, thing that I love. And so, there's a documentary on Disney Plus called Imagineering. Um, you can go look it up if you got it. So it's called Imagineering, and it's the story of Walt Disney. Um, it's a story of, 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 of his upbringing and his childhood and him and his brother Roy and, you know, what they faced when they lived in the Midwest and then moving to California and then how Mickey Mouse came about and all that stuff. And, and one of the, the, the reasons why Disneyland got started was because he was, he, every weekend was his weekend with his girls. And they would go around and, you know, go to carnivals and all these places. And, and he hated going to these carnivals because they were, they were nasty. They were unclean. Uh, the kids were always, it, it, it just wasn't a fun place for the whole family. And so Disneyland came out of a thing of he just wanted to create a place where families could go, get away from life for a little bit, have fun, have experiences, spend all of their kids' college tuition. Um, <laughs> come on, somebody. It's just, I told my boys the other day, they're like, can we go to Disney World? I was like, do you want to go to college or Disney World? You just let me know. We'll, we'll do either one. So anyways, so he, he builds Disneyland in, in Anaheim in the middle of what people said couldn't be, could happen. It, it's an incredible story. You got to go home, watch it. I'm going to condense it real quickly. He faced so much backlash from the city, from people. I mean, just crazy opposition that went against him for this place money. So he built it. And, um, and then, of course, it's extremely successful. Um, it takes off. So then he starts dreaming of Disney World. Now, Disney World, as you know, Disneyland is in California. Disney World, he wanted to build in the Everglades of Florida. Like, who does that? And so he found 36,000 acres of property, buys it all. And then begins this process of dreaming of what this recruiting, raising money, all that stuff. You know, has all of his Imagineers drawing out this magical land. <clears throat> if you know the story, he dies before it's built. Um, he died of lung cancer. And his brother Roy, who was the, the financial guy of all of his companies, said to all of the rest of the, the staff, We've got to build this place. Like, this is my brother's legacy. Like, we've got to build this place. So they go through amazing amounts of opposition, and they finally do. They build Disney World. So on opening day of Disney World, Roy stands up and gives this, you know, illustrious speech and honors his brother and the vision his brother had and all this stuff. And so, you know, he walks down off of the stage, and someone walks up to him and says, man, this is amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing if your brother was here to see this? And he looks at the guy and he says, my brother did see it. That's why you're seeing it. 
I wonder if there's things in our life right now that God is wanting us to see before anybody else sees it. Things in your kids, things in your marriage, things in your family, things in this city, things in this church, that we see it before we see it. We see it before we see it. That's, that's a level of faith that's here. I, um, for those that, that, that know my story, um, Lindsay and I, with our youngest son, Joel, when he was three years old, he was diagnosed with a very rare lung disease. And um, the first three months of us trying to get treatment, the doctors told us that our son wouldn't make it past a year. So just get your affairs in order, have as much fun, make as many memories with him as you can. So we went on like make-a-wish trips with him. We went on all these things because we didn't know if our son would be here or not. And, but yet we were praying and believing. And, and they said if he does actually make it past a year, he's probably always going to be on some kind of um, oxygen. He's going to be on medicine his entire life. And he's never going to be able to go to sports. He's never going to be in school. These are all the things that are never going to happen. There was actually... Um, an article that was written, I want to show you, I, I got a picture of it, I, I saved it when it did. There was an article in our Jennings News that they did a story on my son, you'll see the bottom right corner. Um, it says this, parents hope, I like the word that they use there, hope for miracle as three-year-old battles rare disease. What they didn't know is that uh, Hebrews 11 um, tells us in Hebrews 11 chapter 1, it tells us that faith brings our hopes into reality. Faith brings our hopes into reality. And, um, and so we started praying and believing. I had a lady in our church come up to me on one Sunday. Uh, my son and my wife didn't go to church for almost a year and a half because he couldn't be around people. And uh, I remember getting done at church one day, and a woman in our church walked up to me. She said, Pastor Josh, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? She said, um, I had a dream about your son last night. I said, oh, really? Um, she said, he was, he was much older, maybe 10 to 12 or so, um, and he was playing sports. He was playing sports. And she said, I just, when I dreamt it, I woke up and it was like, it was, it was the real, it was like real. It was extremely real. And she said, I woke up and I said, that's going to happen. This is going to happen. I need to tell Pastor Josh and Lindsay about this. And I said, hey, I believe with you. This is going to happen. Um, I just want to let y'all know, my son's playing soccer right now. He's playing soccer right now. <laughs> He's in school right now. Um, and we just got back from Colorado two weeks ago, and our doctor said he's doing better than he's ever been in his life. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, I believe in the power of prayer. If you don't, just go look at my son. Every Sunday, oftentimes, y'all have a miracle standing up preaching to you. His name's Pastor Bubba because he's had cancer for nine years and told he wasn't supposed to live either. I mean, we got a house of miracles. We have a house of hope. We have a house of faith. Believing it and seeing it before it ever happens. Faith is not believing that God can. Faith is believing God will. Faith is believing God will. Let me give you the third one. Number three is faith is acting before seeing. Faith is acting before seeing. And then we're going to wrap up. Watch what James chapter 2 verse 17 says. I love the Passion Translation of this. James 2 17 says, so then faith, everybody say faith, doesn't that doesn't involve action, is what? Phony. Faith that does not involve action is phony. Faith is seeing before believing, or seeing before seeing. Faith is believing before seeing, but faith is also acting before seeing. You can believe it. I want you to listen to me. You can believe it, and you can see it, but if you don't get off the couch, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Like, you can have faith for it all you want, but until you step out and go, all right, I'm, I'm going for this. I'm, I'm stepping into this. I think there are so many Christians that are sitting at the gas station of faith and trying to get more and more filled and more and more filled, but they will never turn on the engine. Let's turn the engine on. Let's go. Faith is not just believing it. Faith's not just seeing it. Faith is walking in it. Come on, how many know Abraham obeyed? He, he stepped out. Noah obeyed. He stepped out. And I loved it because it said an act of faith. An act of faith. It wasn't just faith. It was an, an act 
of faith. I love how John Calvin says it. John Calvin says it this way. It's faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies is never alone. It is faith alone that justifies. We are, we are saved by grace through faith. It is nothing that we do. We are not saved because of good works. We're not saved because we go to church. We're not saved because we give or because we serve or because none of that. We are saved by what Christ has done on the cross and the cross alone. But because of the faith that we have in Christ and because of our salvation in Christ, now I get to work. So I don't work for it. I work from it. I am God's beloved. I am a man of God. I, am, I, I have purpose and passion that God has inside of me. Because of that, now I go to work. Let's believe. Let's see it. But let's act on it. Let's take, this church has been built on taking steps of faith. We started Eunice because a lady called us and said, hey, I heard y'all were gonna start a church in Eunice. We were not starting a church in Eunice. This is no lie. I don't know where she heard that from. But that one phone call triggered something in Pastor Bubba and he said, we need to go start a church in Eunice. I was like, are you crazy? We have like 150 people in this campus. How in the world are you? Pastor Bubba's a man of faith. Let's just go. And we started the Eunice campus in a beauty parlor. I remember Sunday nights in Eunice, swing, sw swiveling around in a beauty parlor chair. I was so immature. <clears throat> and now we have over 250 people now in Eunice that all started from a woman saying, hey, I thought you were going to start a church in Eunice. That's how Crowley got started. We knew we wanted to plant churches. We've always known we wanted to plant churches. But it's always just been, let's just step out. And it's crazy because every time we take a step out, it, it never seems like it's the right moment. Jennings was back at about 200 people again. We had Eunice going, and now it's like, okay, let's go plant a church in Crowley. Are you crazy? We, we don't have enough staff. We don't have enough money. We don't have a building. We don't, what are we gonna do? So we met in Pastor Jamie's house, who at that time was pastoring in Eunice, but living in Crowley. And then we just started going, and then we just started vision casting, and Pastor Zach and Pastor Bubba and Claire, all of them just started saying, hey, this is what we see. This is what we believe God's called us to do. Now we're just gonna take some steps of faith. We're, gonna just, we're just gonna believe God that he's gonna show up. I, I believe faith is a lot of you just step out and go, God, you better show up. <laughs> Come on, how I many you know, like, like if you don't show up, I'm gonna look real stupid right now. That kind of faith. This is what God's calling us to build, to build a church that is built on stepping out in faith. So I just started writing down things that I see so I call this, I see a church, and I, I, I want to share these with you. I, I, I just started writing down just things that I see for our church. And if you believe this, man, I, I want you to grab hold of these things. I see a church that is much more than 90 minutes on a Sunday. I see a church that is walking in obedience to God's word and God's voice. I see a church who believes God can do the impossible. I see a church that is so committed to raising and empowering and training a leadership generation of young people and church planners who are gonna change the world. I see a church where marriages are restored. Can I get an amen on this one? I see a church that is not about programs, but about the presence of God. I see a church that is filled with every demographic, every race, every color, every financial status. I see a church that's built for my kids, my grandkids, and my great-grandkids kids. I see a church that is continually taking next steps in their journey. I see a church full of people who are growing in God, discovering what God wants them, and making a difference with their lives. I see a church where God uses ordinary people to serve an extraordinary God to reach a city for Christ. I see a church that never stops searching for the lost because God never stops searching for us. I see a church that is so kingdom-minded that it will count whatever the cost, pay whatever the price to see revival in our city. I see a church that realizes that none of this can happen on our own ability, but we are dependent and committed to prayer and to fasting and the Holy Spirit. I see a church where Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. This is the church that God has called us to build. Father, we love you. 
we love you. God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for all that you're doing in this house. God, in this season where faith is being stretched, where we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, you know you're working. Even while we're waiting, you're working. So God, today I pray that you would increase the level of faith in this house. Those that are in this room, that maybe there's been dreams or visions that you've given them, but they have died. Maybe life has just beaten it down out of them. Maybe they've just stopped dreaming again. Maybe they've stopped believing again. Maybe they've stopped praying. But God, I pray that they would pray again, believe again, see again, speak again, act again. God, I pray, Lord, for those in here that marriages are on the brink. God, we thank you that you are restoring God. God, those who have wayward sons and daughters and spouses and family members, God, I thank you that we see them right now coming home, coming home, coming home. God, we call them back into home. We call them, God, to to surrendering their lives to you. Those who are walking through financial burdens right now, stress and don't know what to do. God, I thank you that you are the provider, God. You are the provider. Those who have received doctor's reports right now, God. Lord, we know what doctors say, but God, we believe the report of the Lord, God, that you are a healer. God, we speak healing over bodies right now, healings over minds healings over emotions, God, that you're restoring. God, we pray that this would be a house of freedom. God, we pray, Lord, that you would break the chains that the enemy has used to hold people back. God, we thank you for Crowley. We thank you for the surrounding areas. We thank you that you've given us the privilege to plant a life-giving, spirit-filled, Jesus-centered church in this region, God, to see your name lifted high. So God, we pray that you would bring people, draw people into this place. May this be a house of healing. May this be a house of hope that it does not determine if we have a building or not. We are the church. We are the church. And God, we see a church that honors you more than anything. We see a church that pleases you more than anybody else. So God, we love you. God, I pray today for every person that's in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them and use them in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.